Hello and welcome to another edition of the Para Podcast. This one will be Sans Hamish for just a little bit as he um hopefully gets back in time to do some recording of us. But joining me, 4020 as always, is Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Good to have you on board, mate. And Ham. Howdy ho. Howdy ho indeed. All right, let's dive right into it, boys. We've got the review, the preview, all that good stuff to get into this week, and it's a massive week of football. But let's wind it back to last Saturday night to start things off, where the Parramatta Eels finally snapped a month of losing with a uh, solid, if uh, a little bit inspiring, it wasn't perfect, but it, it was encouraging 32-16 victory over the North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, it was a home game for the Eels at Seabar Super Stadium on the Gold Coast, so the visiting team scored via Helam Luki, Latia Mossadreki, and Jake Granville. Valentine Holmes going two from three off the kicking tee for the Eels. It was a wider range of scorers. Wanga Blake kicking things off in the sixth minute, followed by the rookie centre Will Penasini nabbing his maiden NRL try. Great moment there. Sean Lane, Will Smith, Quinton Garferson, and Dylan Brown rounding out the six tries for the Blonde Gold. Uh, Garfo doing the kicking duties because I think they said Mitchell Moses had a – it wasn't his back. Was it a hip issue or or something like that? The, the, uh, mute. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, commentary I mean, the, yeah, the commentary was very ordinary. But the, it, oh, surprisingly, it wasn't to do with his back. Uh, it was something to do with his legs. So – Mitchell Moses still abstaining from uh, conversion duties and Gufferson having a better day at the office after some pretty ordinary attempts at uh, goal recently, four from six. In terms of the team stats, Eels actually down on possession in this game, 49% to 51%. Time possession ever so slightly favoring the Cowboys by just over a minute, 26, uh, 27 minutes, 21 seconds to 26-16 for the Eels. Uh, Eels completed at 70%, Cowboys at 75%, so tidy but far from perfect from both teams. Uh, but given the scoreline, Eels ahead in pretty much all key attacking categories, uh, four more runs, uh, over 200 more run meters, uh, nearly nearly 200, oh, about 150 post-contact meters more for Eels. Line breaks five apiece, both teams. Eels up 12 tackle busts, 37 to 25. And hallelujah, the Eels winning a game with the faster play the ball speed, 3.19 seconds to 3.44. That is an anomaly. So uh, mark, mark that one down for the record books, ladies and gentlemen. I've got, I've got a I've got a one player in particular to focus on. That I'll come back to it a bit mm-hmm. later, or maybe now. Uh, the, yeah, you can jump in now if you want to. Uh, let's, let's shake things up. I was going to say, like when you watch Will Penasini take a run, he there's no jinking, there's no mucking about. He just tucks it under the, when he's taking a ruck run, tucks it under the arm, and then he looks to get that quick play of the ball. And then NRL.com tells me. He's got the fastest play the ball speed 2. of our seven five back. seconds. Yeah, I think that's actually far, second fastest, second fastest in the team behind Ice. Yeah, and so watch the run after Will's run. That thing, they're, they're the runs that set up the next big carry, don't they? It's the yep. when you see a prop four that does that, it's always the, the guy after it gets a tear into the defensive line because they're not set. So yeah, a great little comment there, Ham. And so then, I think if um you know I don't want to talk about him because he's injured. And we'll go into that later, but. When Micah gets a run, very slow. It's sometimes it's slow getting up, yeah. and then again the next uh, gets hammered because it's running a set into defensive a line. Um, set defensive line, so it's a bit harder. Watch when Will gets the ball; he's getting that quick play of the ball, and then you know we're moving up and we're making instead of making eight to ten meters, the next attack is making 12, 15 meters. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, very good injection of Will. There. Yes, sir. Uh, neither team defused the ball pretty effectively. Eels at forty percent, Cowboys at fifty six percent. Uh, Eels defending slightly better than their northern, northern most uh, rivals. 87.6% for the Blue and Gold, 85.9% for the Cowboys. So neither team spectacular defensively, and that's a given when there's 48 points scored in a game. Uh, negative plays are pretty even between both teams, and that's the, the summation of all those macro stats. Individual performances, 
looking across the back line. Uh, much better performance from Quinton Gufferson, 151 metres. Uh, we saw Will Penasini get 112 metres and uh, try, as we mentioned. Also, a uh, couple of tackle busts. No, just the one, surprisingly. I thought he played, I thought it was a little bit more explosive than that. But Wanga Blake, 12 tackle breaks, 163 metres, shifting from centre to wing mid game when. The Eels uh, had Marcus Sevo unfortunately lost to what was initially suspected to be an MCL has now been confirmed to be both MCL and ACL, so he is out for a long time, which is unfortunate for the big man there. But Hayes Dunster, you better six to nine months or seven to nine months return. If, if you are, it's seven to nine months. If you are incredibly fierce with your recovery, like you, you're maximizing everything. Um, so if you were, if you can do that, you're not going to return at 100 percent either. It'll take another 12 months from that point to get back to your best, but you can still play uh, at a high level. Uh, we remember 2018 when um the year Gutho was coming off his, he yep. was just he he'd come back. I think he did his about the same time actually. Yes, because it was the Tigers game, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he got rolled up behind by uh, Kevin Naguama, I think. Or Cheekam, there you go, Cheekam. And yeah, and Gutho came back and he was battling through it, but it took him that 2018 season, which obviously was a, a very ordinary year for the team in general. And then 2019, he was back to his best. So that's the time frame you, you could se- expect to see Micah back to being physically dominant in 2023, which is absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, Dunst- uh, oh, so just looking there? at it, sorry. Um, Gutho, 23rd of July, round 20 against the Tigers, and I'm pretty sure he came back round 6, 14th of April. Yeah. So that's your so he, he, probably he actually, big time frame. He actually went a little bit ahead of Micah's in terms of the time frame there. Micah obviously doing it in August and Gutho at the end of July. So you can And sh- then also, um, you know, Gutho's a freak. Absolutely. Rehab, absolute so. monster in terms of training. So, yes, you, you, the approach there, not to say that Micah won't tackle us with the most enthusiasm, but. Guffo would be the absolute benchmark in the NRL for adhering and, and maxing out your rehabilitation process. So, yeah, best case scenario looking at, uh, what did you say, Ham, round seven? Was it for uh, Guffo in 2018? Um, round six. Round six. So, I'd probably push that back another month, given that market that here's a month later. Um, so, yeah, looking at double digit rounds before you get CV back in 2022. Uh, in terms of the individual performances, though, uh, Hayes Dunster topping the team at 181 metres. Uh, both Ice and Junior cracked 100, which is a nice little bounce-back game for both of them. And more importantly, the impact on the field was much more pronounced. Junior had some strong carries and some big hits, which he's been desperately lacking. Uh, Murata was solid on the right edge, 110 metres, but defensively really set the tone, I felt. A lot of big shots, good, strong, clean shots too. Uh, never in doubt of being put on report, which has you know, been a little bit of an issue for Murata. And then off the bench, Makahesi Makatoa really stands out there. 107 metres as the big man continues to uh, carve out a really nice niche for himself off the bench. So that's all the individual stats, boys. Uh, where do you want to start with this one? Eels 32 to 16 victors. Started the house on fire. Uh, we scored that first try via Wanga Blake. Could have had a second try, but Blake's pass was called back uh, for a forward pass call, which was technically correct, but you see that one let go a lot. If we'd scored then, it feels like we're going to run absolute right, but the Cowboys worked their way back into it, and then the Eels didn't let them go too far with it. Yeah, I think um, for me personally, the most encouraging thing about this game was that early defense and that early defensive line. We were getting up there and absolutely slaughtering yeah. the Cowboys. Yeah. And it was all because, well, I can say it was all legal, but we know <laughs> what the referees are like for calling off sides. So um, that could have been an issue. But um, the line speed was very pronounced, though, wasn't it? We were aggressive. Yeah. And um, for all his faults and his um, errors in attack, I thought Nathan Brown led the mm-hmm. defensive line very well. And you know, you were talking about Murata before creeping up high. I thought Brandy did well to, um, you know, not overplay his hand in defence in that he was trying to... We've, we've seen him in the past where he's trying to inspire the team. 
get either offside or overly aggressive and get a shoulder charge or a high shot. So, yeah, really good tempered aggression there. Cowboys really struggled to get out of their own red zone for a long period in that opening stanza, which is really good. Brad Arthur's talked about front-loading your effort, talked about intent, and the Eels delivered that in the opening stanza. And, uh, you know, scoring that first try, defending strongly, yes, the Cowboys fought their way back into it, but it, it was something the Eels had failed to do for the past month of football, was start with positive uh, momentum, start with positive intent. Bertie, what did you see out of this one, mate? Um, I'm, I'm happy that they are um, defensively, they look solid and um, aggression, you know, albeit it was like a little bit, it was there, you know, and something that's been missing for the past, you know, six, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit upset with the, the errors, you know, early tackle errors, like just, you know, like we yeah. don't have, uh, obviously with um, that, that's how the, Fergo there. That's how the Cowboys got into it, wasn't it? We saw the sequence from Sean Lane and Nathan Brown, uh, where Lane in particular went, error, uh, an unneeded charge down the last tackle to give the the uh, Cowboys another six again, and then a really bad one-on-one tackle on Helam Lukey. And, and for mm. fortunately for Lane, it was very much uh, Mr. Hyde, Dr. Hyde, wait, Mr. Hyde in the first half, Dr. Jekyll in the second, right? He was absolutely horrendous in the first 40, but then repaid his back with a much better second 40 minutes where he scored a try and uh, played a lot better with some actual heads-up uh, play in terms of defense, getting back for a kick. But yeah, we uh, had some moments where we certainly did not help ourselves, and that's been uh, really was part of the issue why we had such a massive slide across the last uh, uh, earlier four games uh, before round twenty three. So yeah, um, yeah, it's just like um, in this game, like this, you know. But I hate quoting Paul Ken or whatever. He <laughs> says like it's very hard to like get the ball back from you know. Look at what happened with Souths and Penrith. Oh yeah, Penrith Mo- momentum is an absolutely like- wild thing in this current iteration of the NRL. With the six again, with the way some of the things are interpreted by the officials, if you lose momentum, there is a good chance the game's gone. And like you're giving up, so first off, the error is bad, but then you're giving up the error in red zone territory, and mm-hmm. then like all the, like, and we can't defend set restarts. Like if a, if a team puts in a grubber for some reason, we just because Gufferson is like not quick enough. It just seems like we're always if you put a grubber in, we're going to get dropped. It's going to be a dropout. You know, it's going to force a dropout. So like, it just seems like. We are inviting pressure, and we don't have to. We like we're a team that um we're not we're not the Penrithville Storm where we can win off a bad you know be play bad and win. We need stuff to go our way, and we have to have a clean football to win games. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just means we we rely on high efficiency and the the encouraging yeah, thing errors is not good. The encouraging thing was defensively the Cowboys scored three tries. One was Lane switching off for a half a second, which we've seen in the past. We we've acknowledged it's an issue on the team. Uh, but the way we are with edge def at the moment, you know, it's a necessary evil. Uh, the second try was scored. Sorry if I pull this up here by uh, Mossa Drecki. And that one was when we had uh, a center that was a utility and a winger that was a center. And they attacked that edge and managed to isolate them, which is fair enough. You know, the, the Cowboys playing what's in front of him. The third try, Moses shoots out of the line, creates a opportunity in midfield to offload the ball where the Cowboys then kick ahead for Jack Granville, who scores. And the, probably the biggest issue there was the ineffective tackles today, right, or on that night, where the Eels, after that initial period where they defended really strongly, they sort of fell off a few, didn't miss the tackles, but they fell off with tackles, allowing offloads. So that would have been the, the big defensive issue for me there. I thought, in general, the defensive patterns were much better. We saw a complete uh, a move away from that uh, jam slide principle that we've seen get eviscerated in the last month of football. Instead, the Eels mm. are operating a pure slide, uh, pattern on both edges, and I thought in general that held up quite well, especially considering that we had a complete makeshift left edge. Um, I thought Will Penasini defensively st- um, stood his ground really nicely. Murata really leading the way there on his inside, helping. 
So good defensive things there. And you mentioned uh, our issue of wine dropouts, Birdie, which is fair. Uh, repeat sets have always been a, a crux of this team defensively, not just conceding them, but also then conceding points if uh, teams you know can camp possession on us. But season high forced line dropouts for Mitchell Moses. I thought he uh, had an outstanding mm. game with the kicking uh, short kicking game. Three forced line dropouts. Uh, you also had uh, a great little. There was a couple where where um, we could have got it, but the and a couple know, just yeah. some well, the, the hammer also showed some ridiculous pace yeah. on one occasion. Uh, Hammer's eye tapo for Doe, just a, a phenomenal speedy talent. But on top of that, you know, Mitchell Moses. I will say he passed that ball off the ground on that yeah. tackle. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. His, his left arm hit the ground and he offloaded. Yeah. And, uh, but they, they, they are so wildly inconsistent with police in that. Sometimes yeah. they'll caught and sometimes they're like, no, no, you know, ball carrying arm, fine. But Mitchell Moses, three line break, uh, three forced line dropouts, one line break, which led to the try assist for Will Penasini. And then uh, another two line break assists and three overall tr- Three overall trices. So fantastic game for Mitch. Easily his best game since breaking his back. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Mitchell Moses at his best sees a, a bounce back from both Gufferson, Brown, and even Joe Lussick, who had a solid game for us uh, working in relief every money. Well, actually, I thought the way we used our halves in this game was completely different to yes. how we've used them all year. Yes, sir. Uh, we, like, we saw a lot more with Dylan Brown at first receiver. Uh, he was Not hit. just that, not just that, not both halves were playing both sides of the ruck. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, and that, that was probably part of the reason why you saw Dill first receiver so much was that they could then operate like you, you've been trying to push for him in a more classical structure where you have halves working both sides. Um, we also saw Mitchell Moses attack the short side once again, which I love to see. It led to one of our tries of the season of Hayes Dunster putting in a, a inch perfect kick for Quentin Gufferson. Uh, poor Joy Lussick missing out there. <laughs> it could have gone to either of them for a try and it just bounced up perfectly for Guffo. But yeah, I just think the way the game is played at the moment, you need both halves playing both sides. Yeah, you can't you can't compartmentalize. Well. You cannot compartmentalize. Fullback, so we can you know no matter what way we are, we can have two ball players and then one ball player either on the open side or the short side. I just think, and especially with the way um, Dylan and Mitchell attack and the way they should attack, which is a run first mentality, it just it opens up our options so much. And mm-hmm. I don't know why it's taken. I mean. It could just be a thing of we're not going to show this until, but why would we? Why wouldn't we do a you know two or three weeks ago? So mm-hmm. I hope that it, it it's maintained because I really like that um, unpre- unpredictability in attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, is. and that's where you see some of South, like you know, even the Melbourne Storm, but South Sydney too. Some of their best attack comes because they're willing to uh, create a, either a old school conventional backline. Or just play more heads up with the halves roaming and seeing, okay, I know I'm the left edge half, but there is an opportunity on the short side where, you know, and that's uh, part of the way uh, Mitchell Moses, uh, I know that it was a, a great decoy run by uh, Makatoa, but also Moses doing that little soft switch from the right to left set up the Sean Lane try. So uh, when I first saw that, because it was uh, Lussick that was tackled, that's why Dylan was in a dummy half. Mm-hmm. And you could see it was a bit slow and everything. And you could see Moses like looking up, looking up. And then he just did that last minute switch which you would do a lot of in 2017 when he first came here. And, you know, and then I watched it. I thought, oh, what great work by uh, Mitchell. And then I watched it again. And that if I'm a, if I'm a coach of any group of 16s right through the first grade, I'm showing that try and I'm saying to my forwards, my prop forwards, sell the run yeah. exactly don't like go, that. Don't just go for the motions. You've got to sell that you're the short option. You've got to make sure that – you time your run like you're going to get the ball. You have your hands up like you're going to get the ball, and you run as hard as like you're going to get the ball. And then that draws in that uh, B defender yep. or the A def- 
And even if it just freezes them for that fraction of a second, it's often enough just to get yeah. the, the isolation play, get the ISO one-on-one on the half or on one of the smaller forwards and give a chance for your, your big edge back row or your blockbusting center to make the play. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, I thought it was, don't get me wrong, it was fantastic work by Mitchell Moses, but the try was, the assist is for uh, Makatoa there. Mm-hmm. Also shows you don't have to be too close to the dummy half. Like, teams know we're going to do crash balls, right? And, like, our props are usually one to two steps away from the dummy half. Just stand back a couple more metres, you know? Like, because, like, if, you, if people, the defence line are going to see him so close to the hooker, they're going to be like, oh, he's a dummy runner because he's not going to pop a short ball because our markers can defend that. Yep. So try and get away from the markers. That way you can sort of sell it, and then you're going to make you put the onus on the defender. Okay, well, the markers can't get these guys. I'm going to have to make a decision one on one, and that's what caused the thing. And you look at it like when you look at that try, it's like a it's like a it's like a try you expect at the end of the game where the team's been on their feet. But it was in the 30th minute, you know. You know, it's sort of really fr- fr- fresh. It just looked slow motion, and but it was simple, you know. So mm-hmm. just a bit more like that. But yeah. Uh- you know, obviously a game that was far from perfect. Birdie's already mentioned the errors. We've all spoken about some of those little defensive lapses that allowed the Cowboys to score those free tries. But in general, a vastly improved performance from the Parramatta Eagles. And it's something they can potentially build on. They're obviously down, down on personnel and again down from this game. So now we've got Mike Siva out for the season, joining a huge loss in Reed Marnie. We are waiting on Reg to come back for the finals. Ryan Madison come back from suspension. Uh, and uh, Ferguson will be back for this game this week. So... Uh, one at least one reinforcement in the wings now for us, if you pardon the pun. But yeah, they they this was a get right game for him. Um, I think George Burgess on Matt, Matty John show dubbed it as a potential lose lose game for the Eels. So you know a trap game because you're coming into this game, you're meant to win. The expectation is you have to win. You know the Cowboys had a nine game losing streak. Parramatta had a four game losing streak. You got to you got to get right, and they didn't trip over it. They got it done. Far from perfect, but you know now it gives them a chance to build into the finals, starting off a game against Melbourne. Any wrap-up comments, boys? Uh, I, there was a lot of people put on report in this game. It felt like the bunker was going wild, uh, but the only thing we got out of it was a Joey Lussick fine. I'm, I'm shocked he got a fine. I thought that contact was fine on Dearden. Yeah, and then the one that uh, I thought was a crush tackle on Mike Acevo, which caused his MCL yeah, and ACL injury, yeah. uh, he was folded in half. Uh, off the, so. With the second effort, too. Like He was put yeah. down and then crushed. But so many other crush tackle charges from this game, nothing... Uh, Actually, cited in terms of our. I mean, we've though. had a we've had an injury free first half of the season, and all of a sudden we're getting injuries left, right, and center towards the end of the year, and it's just like luck, baby. It's like, a it's get, a huge part of professional sports, mm-hmm. and uh, it abandoned us in our in our time of need. Uh, we lost Moses, you know, big loss. Uh, it feels like Junior's been nicked up, Guffer's been nicked up, Reed out, Reg really? out. Uh, you know, goodness, just have we got a a timeline on Reg yet? Reg, the the club has consistently said week one finals. So okay, that's good. So like I think we I think we've got like what twenty three active or fit players like to choose from each week, which is you know it's getting which, which like is it's on the, it's on the low end. But the big thing is that it just some of the players, you know, Reed Money, absolutely huge. Reg, Reg, our best forward this year. Uh, I know that Ice has been sensational, but I'd argue that Reg has been just that little bit more consistent, especially as a middle forward. Ice obviously been playing um, with great versatility on either edge or uh, in the middle. So yeah, doesn't excuse the form uh, the form drop off that we had across the uh, starting with the or even going back to the Penrith game, but after the Titans win, starting with that Canberra loss. But it's a huge contributing factor to why we're knowing you're our best. So we get Reg back in a couple of weeks, and hopefully that's enough to get us going in the finals. But yeah, get the win. Uh, we stay in sixth place on the ladder, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because Manly had already won that week. 
and the Roosters staved off uh, who did they play the Dragons. The Dragons. The Dragons had a great chance to win, and they could not do it. So yeah, um, good win, something to build on. I think that's about it, right, boys? Yeah. So NRL news for the Blue and Gold this week. We already mentioned it. Mike Acevo out for the season, out for a good chunk of 2022. What was initially suspected to be an MCL strain four to six weeks was later confirmed to be both MCL and ACL tear, which means the big man is out for a long time. Six, nine months is a positive uh, sort of a recovery window. And we, we looked at Quentin Gufson back in 2017, 2018, and hand noted that late July had that injury. Uh, and then obviously the MCL is not, not an issue there because it's going to be healed up well before the ACL, but he returned in the earliest rounds of 2018, but was not back to his best until the following season. So unfortunately, that's a similar sort of time frame for Micah. Um, he joins Reed Marnie shoulder season. Nathaniel Roach downgraded from uh, week to week to, well, potentially week to week, but uh, season with a knee bruising injury. And I do wonder if that's got more to do with the bubble. I, I, the fact that it's knee bruising just seems like a disingenuous diagnosis, or at least a public diagnosis. And Reg. Well, the thing is, I don't know why he's still on there when, you know, he's not going to be playing this year. He's, first of all, he's not in the bubble. And we've taken off Wiramu Greg. Yes. Greg, so who, who, Greg, Greg who was actually due back this game, yeah. like this week now. So he's not in the bubble though, right? No, he's not. Oh, not to my knowledge. Not to our knowledge. So, I mean, perhaps he is. But uh, we, we don't actually know who's in the bubble. The club's been very clandestine with the, the playing roster available. Uh, and finally, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, groin for finals. Uh, you will notice, as we mentioned earlier, Blake Ferguson no longer on the injured list. Tom Opachuk also no longer on the injured list, uh, both of them with rib injuries listed, which means that uh, they are eligible for selection moving forwards, uh, But which leads us to the team list, which we'll get to shortly. Um, there was no other NRL news pertaining to the Eels, right, boys? I know there's been a lot of talk about the club off the field, and um, that sort of quietened down a little bit this week after getting a win, and a lot of the talk has been about our opponents this week because they're going for the big 2-0 in, in terms of a win streak. No, yeah. just a standard... Um you know, para, para, uh, lost the plot, can't play, blah, blah, that kind of shit, you know? And then just send stuff. Potential signing news, but. Yeah, there was, there was, there was, I'm like holding some, my breath. There was some gossip column stuff, uh, mentioning Tom Starling. Um, but yeah, like, like Cam said, there's a lot of in house work to be done as well as external stuff, but we haven't heard anything. We've got to look up, we've got to finalize a lot of internal retentions. Um, I really hope we don't lose Makassi Makatoa like what happened with uh, Andrew Davey last year. If that happens again, man, like these guys, well, Andrew Dave even, he he's had his two-year deal over at Manly. He'd be on, what, 100 grand? Maybe. They're easy signings. Like, yeah, especially when you're the one that finds the diamond in the rough and you've done all, yeah. the, hard, you've done all the hard work. So, Like this guy, Makatoa was playing for Ryan Carr for the Featherstone Rovers over in England in like second division rugby league over there. So the fact that he'd come over here with Ryan Carr, you know, at mm-hmm. twenty, it's just if we don't, yeah, it's it's an easy sign to sign him for two years, give him hundred grand, and he'll sign. Like, yeah, he would have won New South Wales Cup like Player of the Year, not for us, but for like the whole comp, wouldn't he? He would have been, he would have been close to Player of the Year. He would have been easy, like first picked forward in that uh, team of the year. The, yeah. His his performances in the cup were just insane. Uh, consistently over two hundred meters, thirty five plus tackles, offloads, tackle breaks. Uh, I mean, his his call at the first grade was so deserved, and he has yeah. he, he hasn't looked out of sh- like you, you see guys that come up and they're they're very good Reggie's players, but they they're not good enough for NRL. Like they, don't, they, they don't they don't look professional. Yeah, this guy like looks- the, the the pace of the game is just too fast for him. But Mac has come in, and it's not like he's you know a blockbusting superstar, but the he, he is completely comfortable with the game. He's making he's his meters. What we need him to do, yeah, is providing not, not, impact. Not a bench. liability in defense. Good engine. 
Um, and it feels like this week he's actually going to be in, entrusted with even greater responsibilities given the bench that they've picked. So let's uh, segue our uh, little podcast into the preview. Round 24, the Melbourne Storm hosting the Parramatta Eels. Not that that means much in the context of the Queensland bubble, uh, but the Eels will be travelling to Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane, taking on the form team of the competition, the presumptive premiership favourites. Uh, Melbourne Storm looking for their 20th win in a row uh, Fox Sports has been, if, you ha- if you've been watching, has that promo where it's all Melbourne and it lasts, you know, five seconds. And how about those Eels? You know, they're, they're one of the only teams. How to beat, about so. this guy? <laughs> Dr. Boy, bitch. <laughs> one, of two teams, one of the only two teams to beat Melbourne. Maybe they'll do it again. Uh, you can understand why Melbourne are the, the you know, raging favourites given the respective form of the two teams. But uh, Eels, obviously, one of those two, only two teams to beat them this year. And uh, this is a game where obviously the win is always the goal. But I think there's a lot more important battles to be had. To have victories in on the smaller scale, you want to be competitive. You want to build, so you don't have you don't have to win this week because it doesn't mean much in terms of our ladder finish anymore. Uh, we can't go below six. Uh, we could finish as high as fourth if the Roosters and and the uh, Roosters and the Seagulls completely bomb out for the next two weeks. But that is a huge what if. So yeah, just get a strong performance to build on. But we're taking on a team that is very formidable. Starting at the fullback, Ryan Pappenhausen is back. Uh, looking to be close to full flight now after that horrible concussion sustained all the way back in Magic Round. Uh, on the one wing is Dean Aremia. On the other is the Fox, Josh Adokar. In the centres, Ramus Smith and Justin Olam. A uh, very strong halves pairing of Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes. Uh, captain the team from the front row is Jesse Bromwich, who will be partnering Christian Welch as bookends. Brandon Smith is their starting hooker. Felice Kafusi, Kenneth Bromwich and Chris Lewis at lock forward in, in rounding out that back row for the Storm. On the bench, Harry Grant. Aaron Penne, Tom Eisenhue, and Nico Hines is the utility. Extended roster features Tui Kamikamika, Isaac Lumalumi, Tepai Moroa, and Marion Sevi. Actually, a surprising amount of uh, ex-eels there, although I do notice that George Jennings has either been... Was he dropped or hurt? He was hurt, wasn't he? I think he's injured, yeah. Yeah, because he had, he had a bad game, but he also got hurt. So, yeah, but former eels in that team... I mean, Ryan Pappenhausen was a touch football player in the Parramatta District, but Ramis Smith spent time at the club. Uh, we have... Well, Christian Welch nearly signed with us, but uh, Aaron Penne, I believe, was uh, yeah, spent a little bit time with us. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Tui Kamikamika and Tepoi Maroa, so in the extended roster there. So, But for the Eels, uh, a couple of changes this week, actually. Or oh, one in force in the starting team and then a couple on the bench. Captain the team from fullback, as always, Quentin Gufferson on the flanks. Hayes Dunster, he's still on the team, but he changes his number. Formerly number five, now number two, signaling a switch to the left edge. Taking his vacant number five jersey is Blake Ferguson, who will be partnering Will Penasini on the right. Dunster working with Wanga Blake on the left. So looks like the Eels are trying to avoid pairing up the uh, Blake bros together, given their dysfunction, as we've seen over the last couple of seasons, which is a good call in my books. Dylan Brown. Uh, it's a good call to keep them apart, but I tell you what, it's a shame for young Hayes and young Will, I reckon, because they build up a partnership. They, they have worked together in reserve grade and or blow that as well for – uh, well, mostly reserve grade, but they had a, a good thing going in the cup this year. But, you know, it, it's what's best for the team, right? So I think it makes Yeah, I, I suppose. But I just think, you know, with the way they played last week, I, I get why, but I just think it's unfortunate. And I think, you know, um, that could potentially be our right side pairing next year. That's that's one of the anyway. uh, the big roster issues up in the air that we were sort of half alluding to earlier in the podcast. But, yeah, um, Fergo... Eels need him firing. There's no doubt about that. They need every impact player they can get. So getting him on the right in his favorite position makes sense. It'll be a big game for him because this is going to be an absolute uh, slug, uh, slug fest in terms of the ruck. Melbourne always fierce there, and we need his strong starts to sets. 
In the halves, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, no brainers. Front row, unchanged, is I Papali'i and Junior Paulo working on the left and right of Joey Lusick. In the back row, also unchanged, Sean Lane on the left, Murata Niakore on the right, Nathan Brown locking the scrum. Couple changes in the bench though. So out, Oregon Kafusi, out, Will Smith. Uh, Eels opting for a very back row heavy interchange. Ray Stone as the utility, sharing that role somewhat with Bryce Cartwright. Mac Hesse Makatoa, the uh, sort of premier middle forward on the bench now, with Keegan Hipgrave also getting a look in. So the Eels unrolling or rolling out their secret weapon. Undefeated in first grade in 2021, Keegan Hipgrave. Uh, extended bench features Will Smith, Kafusi, Sean Russell, and Jake Arthur. But yeah, interesting. So very light bench compared to recent weeks. Hipgrave capable of playing in the middle as a lock forward. Makatoa, obviously a prop, uh, but also Murata Niakori and Sean Lane, very much at home in the middle when needed to. Yeah, this is going to be a big one, boys. Melbourne Storm, uh, they're, they're absolutely smashing teams. Well, um, that's the thing, you know, 20 on the trot. That's... Un- it, they've, it's the record, isn't it? Uh, it would it, it would break the record, right? Because Penrith got to nineteen in in twenty twenty, and all no, it wasn't. I think it was. I'm I'm, I'm gonna. I reckon it's the Sydney Roosters at one. Point. No, it was it was in nineteen seventy. Yeah. The Roosters had the record of twenty, so it must be equaling twenty. Because no, 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 the record was nine. The record was tw- nineteen, right? Didn't didn't Pen- Penrith had get the nineteen? Oh, seventeen. No, okay, I can't count. Yeah, Penrith had seventeen. Yeah, so there's like the nineteen seventy six Roosters. Yeah. I think were the the overall record holders. So because yeah. the, the promos. This all is the break the streak. This is. I oh, was not the break streak. This is the own the the streak. Yeah, this week for them. So I mean, they they just they've broken all sorts of records this year. The Storm, their four and against is absolutely insane. Plus four hundred and ninety nine. So I mean, their two losses were by two points to us and by. Was it two points to Penrith? Four points to us, two four, points to Penrith. Four points to us. Yeah, 16-12 against us. Sorry, what I'm saying. And they should have beaten Penrith if yeah. <laughs> uh, Olam scored. If Olam either gets the ball down or just passes. So yeah. it could have been only one loss this year. Uh, 278 points against, which is not the best in the NRL. Uh, it trails the Penrith Panthers by just 14 points, 264. But they've scored 777. The next best is 701, the Rabbitohs. So just absolutely insane. They're have not slowed down whatsoever in the absence of Cameron Smith. They've got two great hookers replacing him in Brandon Smith and uh, Harry Grant. Forward pack is rock solid. Uh, back line, you know, they've got speed in Adokar and uh, Pappenhausen. They've got a great utility back who can play from the halves out into fullback in Nico Hines. They've got incredible spine players in Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes. Hard-working forwards. Yeah, hard-working forwards. Uh they, obviously, they've got that element of grubbiness that can disrupt teams. They're just fiercely competitive throughout the ruck. And in defense, you know, they're, they're well-drilled. They they are the benchmark. And the Eels have shown that they can go up against them, you know, when they're, uh, A, uh, having a, a fully fired-up team in form and, B, having key players available. So uh, it's not like we don't know that we can't beat them. But, geez, got the work cut out this week. You know, no, we already mentioned no Reed, no Reg, no Maddo, uh, Fergo back, but no Micah. So you've got a reshuffle back line. Where do you go about if if you're gonna even if it's like not to upset them with the win but just to compete fiercely? Where do you go about, boys, constructing that sort of uh, performance? Oh, then you got to pray to God. Pray to God <laughs> anything, like, legit, like um, I mean, you can target Eremia. I think he's like the weak link in the team, but mate, I don't know where you start. Like uh, maybe to try and tire out Brendan Smith, but then again, you tire him out, then you bring Harry Grant on. Like mm-hmm. I legit just think. And I don't want to be cliche. We've got to go set for set. Just try and hang on there and just wait for them. Just frustrate the shit out of them. Like, if we had Reed, it would be perfect because he can get under their skin. But someone has to get under their skin and just put them off their game. Hit, hit, 
start hitting the kickers late, you know, like not too late, but like just <laughs> we've got to put them off their game and hopefully just jag a try, you know. But other than that, I'm yeah, I'm fearing for this team. <laughs> this could be a cricket score. We we could this could be the greatest performance of our uh, you know our year, or this could be a cricket score. That's what I'm worried about. Look, if our team makes it competitive, and I am not conceding this game, but if our team makes it competitive. And, and really, you know, puts it down to the wire. That is a huge victory for us in terms of the finals momentum. Uh, it, it, for me, it starts with the ruck, with the defense. Line speed just has to be there the entire game. You, you cannot have lax moments from Sean Lane and uh, other players that have had, you know, those sort of lapses across the recent games. you got to be willing to put your body on the line for every loose ball. The, the, the 1% is right. The kick chase has to be tight. You've got to be backing up. You've got to be pushing across for any potential line break defensively. Uh, we know that guys like Dylan Brown always do that, but you need everyone on hand, you know, on hands on deck for that. Uh, offensively, it, it's going to be a huge challenge because they're such a well-drilled team. They're more than happy to absorb pressure on their goal line, which means our spine need to be on the game. They need to be willing to uh, work with uh, to put them under pressure of short kicks, not you know, sort of throwaway possessions as we've been a little bit reckless with in the past. Uh, for you, Ham, where, where are you attacking? Bertie mentioned Dina Remia. Is there anywhere else that we can potentially have a, a, a little bit of a difference maker? You know, with guys like Junior Paulo or or Murata or even young Will Penasini, he'll he, he's right versus left, so he'll be up against uh, Olam. Olam, yes. Olam. Oh Jesus Christ, man! That's gonna be bad. <laughs> that's not bad. That's gonna be like oh, it'll be an interesting contest because Olam's very like smash and grab. Mm. Where Will can play that, he's a bit young, I think, to play that game. I think he's got a few more tricks in his bag. In terms of just, I won't say skill because what Olin does is very skillful. I just think, yeah, maybe a bit, bit more football. I'll say, bit, bit more of a footballer. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, you know, you look at this team and you go, and I just think what we've got to do. I don't say you can attack anywhere. I think what we've got to do, no early set errors. Mm-hmm. Got to make sure, and you know, don't, don't not play footy either. Because if the opportunity is there for an offload, don't force it. Make sure someone's there, they're watching, because that's where you can sort of disrupt their um, defensive line a little bit. But it's just, you know, I think if we complete our sets, if you're completing it 80% above, which we should, you know, barring some errors from Wanga, from Lane, from Brownie, I think we can do that. I think those three combined made about 10 errors. <laughs> so yeah, Br- Brownie's been on a cold streak in terms of those errors, hasn't he? Yeah. Had just, some bad ones, the poor man. You know, maybe dial it back. You know, we saw it with uh, Penny Terrapo. He dialed it back 10% a little bit, and he got rid of the errors for the most part. Mm-hmm. So maybe just dial it back 10% until you get the ball, and then, you know. Jeez, it's hard, though, isn't it? Because you need to be playing with every – like, you need to have eke out every, you know, uh, litre of gas or mill of gas you can in the tank to, to take it to him. So it's kind of like that paradox, isn't it? You need to go all out and, and put your body on the line, but also you, you can't be – over eager and, and concede silly errors, which has been you know an issue for the Eels for the last sort of five or six weeks. Yeah, I think that you know you've got to try and as much as you can get the media out of your head, just play your own game, which I think we did for the most part um, against the Cowboys. Yeah, you that, know. that was a bit of a uh, sort of cleansing experience, wasn't it? They had the uh, old uh, lemon and herb tea go through them in terms of football. I think that you know you're not going to score many points against the Storm. You just got to yeah. limit their points, and you know. If, Again, you don't want to concede a loss, but if you can keep it within ten, we'll do it. We'll, we'll have done well. Yeah, um, like you, you always want to go in with the expectation you can win a given game. But you've been ultra realistic this week. We've got a lot of key injuries. Melbourne Storm, but ostensibly at full strength. Who are they missing? Uh, 
almost no one, right? A surface of Lamona. Uh, the, the lock forward, uh, the one that's going to the Cronulla. Fanukin. Fanukin. Yeah. And and a surface Lamona. Obviously, you know, core players there, but no one near the capacity of Reed Marnie or even Reg. Oh, geez, you know, when they've got Kiwi captain Jesse Bromwich. Yeah. Should be Queensland captain Christian Welch uh, mm-hmm. as their starting front rowers. Yeah, they're still doing okay. Yeah. But th- this is a game where being competitive means a lot. It really does. You're putting yourself in a position where next week they're going to be resting players. It's already been put on record that the Eels know that they can't really impact their ladder position. Uh, I think Penrith in the same sort of spot now. So we're going to be resting key players. So it's you know a buy for a lot of the senior players or, or key talent and a chance the young kids get a run against the Panthers. So this is your last real building block game for week one. Where you're, I think you're taking on Newcastle, right? That's almost locked in now, if not um, completely locked in. Yeah, so they're four points ahead of... So uh, if I, if I if I lose out and the Sharks win out, the Sharks will jump them on four and against. Yes, and also well, they, or, the Knights play the Titans this week. Okay, so that so, that is yeah that that will go actually decide the the seventh spot there. If the Knights, oh, actually, there's just looking at it just quick just quickly. There's a few interesting games this weekend: Knights seventh versus Titans ninth, um, Raiders tenth versus Warriors eleventh. Damn, I mean the the Warriors a very slim chance of making the finals yes. there. But if they, you know, that's that's a, you know, whoever loses that game will definitely be knocked out. That's right. I reckon. Yeah. So sudden death football, uh, one week before the last game. But yeah, coming back to the Eels, the goal is to be competitive. The goal is to give yourself the building blocks for week one against Newcastle, and then you know, looking at week two onwards in the finals, to know that you can go up against the Storm, we can go up against Penrith, and it starts by doing the things we detailed earlier, right? You got to be ultra competitive in the ruck. You've got to be physical. You've got to you know, hit and stick in your tackles. You've got to limit offloads. You've got to be desperate for the ball. And we, we saw signs of that against the Cowboys, but now you've got to make that jump. You know, It was good that you put you sort of laid those seeds last week. Now they need to be blooming into you know full-grown uh, plants. Yeah, and especially coming up against a storm, breaking a record. Yeah. I mean, storm love milestone games. This is a little bit unique in that it's not an individual or uh, sort of – usual team milestone game this is a actual all-time record sort of thing uh but that i can't see that the moment getting to them and they can be a little bit gun shy they live nah, for this sort of stuff their finals and yeah exactly they have exactly um anything else we want to talk about boys i mean wonga blake up against Raymond smith smith being pretty handy for the storm but you know not exactly a defensive superstar maybe able to exploit there uh whew, but looking elsewhere i, I don't know you know junior paul and his upper league can do some damage in the middle but the storm just get their numbers all the time. So maybe the offload, if they can get a quality one away, would be more effective this week because of that. Oh, the thing I did want to mention is a uh, very, very different bench. Do we see that being a factor this week? How do we see Ray Stone, uh, Keen Hipgrave and the like sort of making an impact in this game? Well, actually, I think Cardi could be a bit of a, an X factor. Yeah. In yeah. This one. If, we're go- if we're close with 20, 30 minutes to go and we've got a bit of ball, you know, that's the time to inject him and, you know, you might lose out by – a bit, or you never know with his size, his speed, his footy playing abilities. Could be a bit of a, a difference maker there. Mm-hmm. I like the call, Ham. But anything you want to wrap up with before we go on to predictions? Oh, we, we've got to hope it's raining. We, the more rain, the better, because last time we played them, we killed it. <laughs> but um, yeah, back to the bench, like, it, it's weird. Like, they've got Nico Hines and Grant. So that's two utilities on the bench for them. Like, uh, I think I think that's where Brad Arthur probably thought, let's just go for all forwards on the bench. Like, even though Stone can play, like, he's like a utility, same as Cartwright. They're primarily forwards. Like, they're going to come on and take runs right. So I'm thinking we're going to try and bash them, you know, because 
you know, that's why we've got the Bash Brothers in there, you know, um, Nathan <laughs> Brown and um, Ray Stone. But it's interesting to see that the Storm have done that because I reckon if Nas was playing or if they put Kamika on the bench and, like, probably say, let's just say um, Nico Hines got dropped, which is hard to believe. If they only had Harry Grant at three forwards, it would be different because I wanted to know if uh, it would be interesting to see what Brad Arthur would have done. So I reckon he had to look at it and said, let's just go heavy on the bench, even though we're not going heavy. And they probably played, yeah, I know, but having those guys that, especially guys like Stoney, who who loves to get in and have a dig, right? Uh, probably feeds into that idea of being, you know, fiercely competitive for the contact and for that loose ball. So, yeah, something to monitor as the game goes on. Let's move on to predictions now, boys. I know that realistically, uh, I think most of us, if not all of us, are tipping a Melbourne Storm win. But if you're putting on the optimistic goggles, uh, do Barra get a win? If not, how competitive is the scoreline? I'll start with you, Bertie. All right, so I've never tipped against Para, and I'm not going to change now. But if we man. do win, it's going to be like 26-24 or some shit. And it'll be like a, it'll come down to like a penalty the last minute. But look, I think it will be a, a grind match. But look, if we got beat 60-6, to wouldn't be surprised. I will not be surprised, and I'll be upset, obviously. But I mean, Melbourne have dusted up. Souths, mate. That's up. I mean, team. you look at, like, you look at, it, like, you look at the, go look at, go look back at what the results have. I think the lot, like, besides our their two losses, right? The closest any team has got to them is like eight points, and I think it was like Canberra twenty four sixteen Souths round one. So like, yeah, look, if you can get them, if okay, put it this way, if we can get Storm under twenty points, it's a win. Doesn't oh, matter if we win the game. That, that, absolutely, dub. that is a massive yeah, defensively. If you can hold them under twenty, that that means yeah. your defense is finals ready, hundred percent. Exactly. Uh, so, if we're going like to win, we could we could lose twenty. We could we could lose twenty to eighteen, but at least we know heading into the finals. Hang on, we can match them. Yeah, we can twenty eighteen is an incredible result for us. Uh, I feel like mm. um, you tip twenty six twenty in that positive outlook. Who's going to score first for you in that scenario, mate? First, I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Pinaceni. I reckon he's going to teach the old ball a bit of a lesson. You know, it's going to it's going to be a fascinating up. battle on that edge, isn't it? Pinaceni versus Ola. Oh. Well, like last time, Murata bashed him, you know, yeah. existence, essentially. Yep. That was a but I reckon, awesome duel. Um, oh, yeah. And I reckon, like, I think they both got each other. So Murata got him and yep. then Olam got yeah. him later on. And Murata, I mean, Murata's so going to be shoulder to shoulder with, uh, with Will as well. He'll be playing down that edge as the back row. So, yeah. Round two. But I feel as though he's going like to have a bit of footwork. You know, he's going to be like, he's going to step him inside out and make him look a bit stupid. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, look, I'm going to keep saying it. I, I like Pinocin Eric. He's a fantastic prospect. He's something we haven't seen in the centers for a while, maybe since Jacob Loco days where we were excited about it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, feed him more ball, let him do his work, you know, and, um, yeah. No, good call. That's it. Ham, how are we going to beat him if we do? What's the scoreline? Mm, very much like, well, I was going to say very much like Birdie, I've never tipped against Parramatta, but that's a lie. Um, I've tipped against Parramatta once, and that was Jonathan Thurston's last home game in town. That's right, and it, it, was the, it was the reverse jinx. You did it fantastically. No, we lost that oh, game. Oh, no, what I'm saying, we did lose that game. <laughs> we got slaughtered. We got absolutely well, I'm going to say it was Ashley Klein as referee. No, I was thinking of a, a – no, yeah, every time JT's ever returned against us or had the last game, we got absolutely brutalized. So, yeah. Um, and I'm not going to change this week. I'm going to tip a Parramatta win. I'm going to tip Parramatta f- – 14 to 12. Mm-hmm. And the difference maker is a Mitchell Moses two-point field goal. Two-point field goal. Big call. I love it. Um, <laughs> first try scorer. I'm going the other wing. I'm going the other center, sorry. Wonga Blake. Wonga Blake, yep. I'm yeah. going, he's going to, instead of batting the ball back, he's going to climb all over Remus Smith. Climb the ladder and bring it down, baby. Yep. Bring the storm down. This is, I this actually, is the downfall of the storm. I, I would love to see that on that specific note, to see a switch up a little bit because teams have obviously keyed into how dangerous Wanger is getting up because he's got a great vertical getting up and tapping that ball down. They sort of started to fan out around him. That mix-up play would be outstanding 
uh, to see him not not put away the tap back because he's so good at it, but to go up and bring it down. So yeah, good call. Me personally, so who's, who's the back row on that side? Who's the back row on that side? For uh, us. For oh, for us. For us, Sean Lane. Yeah. So there's actually, two tall timber out there at that side. Oh, I'll tell Lane, mate. Don't don't contest the ball. Just just plant your foot and just be prepared for the bat back, as mm. you guys said, because he's going to have to hit to someone, Wonga Blake. So yeah. For me personally, as you both boys both said, you you could see a result where Melbourne absolutely blow us out of the water. Uh, we're we're still low on confidence and form, despite knocking over the Cowboys. We are clearly down on on massive troops, whereas Melbourne are just firing. So there is absolutely a, a world where Melbourne put thirty plus on us and you know go on to score their twentieth consecutive victory, break the record, continue to wow all the pundits. But but Saturday is not that day. Saturday is not that day, baby. Uh, Parramatta Eels going to get the upset win. Um, yeah, the scoring is fascinating because like like Bertie said, you can see twenty to eighteen, you can see bit over twenty, like he tipped, like Ham went fourteen twelve or twelve ten. Um, they're all possible outcomes. I'll go eighteen to. 18 to 14 and first try scorer. Mm. I, I do like those centers. I feel the, the calls are really nice there. I will go, I'll go Fergo though. Will Penasini is going to get, get outside of Olam and do that little Kirk Gidley backhand flick to Fergo. Like he tried against the tight uh, against, against Canberra. And this time it's going to stick. Fergo's going to be in the right spot and not bat it into the sideline. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a, this is a huge, is what you saying? What's that saying? What's I was gonna say? What's that saying? Bro- Brock Lesnar did after the, the the streak, eat, sleep, break the streak, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, what's that repeat, Hamish? yeah. Eat, sleep. So I, I said I, I claimed repeat. last week we will break the streak. I got laughed at, but we hey. are the one in twenty one, which is what the Undertaker was, but the uh, the one in yeah. uh, twenty one in nineteen or one in twenty, I suppose. All I'm saying is, if we win, expect a lot of poor Heyman shocked face. All right, post all over Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- this is. I mean, I'm excited for this game. I know that there, there is very likely the possibility we get belted, but this is such a. There is so much on the line here in terms of building momentum for the finals. And obviously, if we lose, it's not the end of the world. Even if we get thumped, we can still make a, a comeback because sports are funny. You know, there is every chance you you go on a in, in a new competition, which is the postseason. You, you go on a run, but I, I am here to see the boys dig, have a dig. So that's what I'm all about this week. Any uh, sign-off well, comments, boys? Well, the, the, the positive, if we get flogged, right, the first thing we say is we want changes. Well, we're guaranteed changes next week. Yeah. Brad Arthur said he's going to risk play. So I mean, like- the, the, the following week's going to be interesting because I'm kind of interested to see who gets a run. Uh, we don't well, do know. we want to do a yeah, little exactly. bit of a prediction who is going to get a run? Okay. Who, do you reckon we'll have debutants? Yeah, yeah, name, well, one, name one player you think will play. Sean Russell plays fullback, I think. Oh, oh, that was one I was going to go for yeah. too. I think that one makes sense. Guffer, Guffer could use a week off, even though he had a better game against the Cowboys. I think you just, if you're resting key players, you're resting Guffer. Um, I'm interested to see if Samuel Loiser gets a look in at the centers or wing. Um, Charlie Smith goes into one of the half position. You yeah, know, maybe Smith, give, Smith will probably uh, replace Moses. You could even see you could even see Smith Cartwright maybe in the halves uh, or Arthur Arthur Smith Bryce maybe getting some more playing time. Um, I, we don't know who's in the bubble, so I don't yeah, know. If, I don't know if big, uh, uh, big Dave Hollis is in the bubble, or if he's um, at home doing, or doing a trade, uh, his apprenticeship stuff now. Uh, what should be um, What should be Makatoa and Hipgrave starting front row next week? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I mean, uh, Maka would get way more playing time, but I, you can't start with uh, Keegs. He'd be in the back row probably. Um, any other yeah. interesting picks out in the back? Bryce Cartwright will start against Penrith and probably get man of the match performance. I, I, Yep, that's another one you could go with. Um, yeah. 
give him 60, 70 minutes out there. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, he could tear see, see we don't know who's in the bubble. Like, yeah, you, like we, we, we can go, we can go on Instagram like stalking, but if, that doesn't if, do much. Like if if you've got Samuel Loza and Solomon and Oduki in the bubble, you give them a crack. Oh no, Duki, man! Oh. I, I don't know. Can if you the, imagine that? If the big solos in the bubble, so um, that's the unfortunate side effects of a be the bubble in the first place, restricting resources, and b us not knowing who's available. But yeah, the big ones. And that's me, why. That's why you need to get vaccinated. I'll probably be hounded down by the Twitterati for saying <laughs> that. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're all part of vaccination. If you can talk to your GP, get vaccinated. So I know who's playing footy. True. But yeah, <laughs> well, the, big- the big question is: Let's just say Moses and Gufferson don't play. Who's kicking goals? Like, do we bring out the old Kenny Edwards goal oh, no, contest? Junior be rested. Junior be rested. Sean Russell. Oh. Sean Russell is a very good goal kicker. There you go. So uh, full fullback goal kicker going to break. Captain, some re- a young captain. Yeah, as well. Get captain too. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is one I'm really keen to see because obviously he had a nice debut on the wing against the Dogs. Scored a double, yeah. and uh, but his preferred position is fullback. Um, he's going to have to, you know, fight get that way uh, in terms of limited opportunities. But focusing on the wing primarily, given we've got Garfield at fullback for now. But yeah, I'm, I'm really keen to see what he can do and just show some pace and playmaking. So that'll be forget the game of the weekend, man. Bring back let's let's look forward to Teamless Tuesday, mate. Forget the results, man. Well, we forward to that. We're, if if things go the right way, we might get summer Teamless Tuesdays, boys. We're going to get oh. a summer league, maybe, which would be really. I, I am all for it. Uh, I mean, having more football is always great, but given what's been uh, happening in terms of lack of development for these young kids and even just the fringe NRL guys, the older ones, uh, having two years of competitions wiped out is just brutal. So uh, that is something I'm full agreement with Phil Gould on. Not always agreeing with um, old uh, old Philly Gould. Beasting head. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he's definitely on the money here. Summer League would be absolute uh, awesome just from I think content. It's pretty good. I think it's a good idea too. You chuck it on, or maybe not midweek because the players are still training. Chuck it on a Friday, Saturday night. It doesn't even have to be full 80-minute games. No. Could be – Quarters. Quarters could be 15-minute quarters. Mm-hmm. It'll just give them something to, you know, a bit of game time. And, it, you know, put limit, limitations around it. Like and it's good for the TV Five too. or less NRL games yeah. for the year. Mm-hmm. You can even you can even like legit practice new rules implementations. Like it works like, out perfectly. Like, it's- like what we did for the, uh, the Trial of the Dragons this year, right? We had that cap yeah. on NRL games and it worked out really nicely. But it's good for the, the TV broadcast too. The NRL can say, look, you've got summer content for us. Awful. Yeah. Um, you know, how many times can you watch the block in a week? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what, what are they trodden out now? They've got another edition of The Masked Singer. Well, I bet Masters, you they do. Masked Singer, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, would you rather uh, watch Masked Singer or Footy? Footy. Oh, I know what I'd rather watch. Exactly. Man, I, want, I want TLT all year round, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I will wrap it up there on that note. Uh, unfortunately, Hamish was not able to join us. His youngins giving him the old run round at home. So we wish him well in his parenting endeavours there. Uh, um, okay, so I, I can't sympathise on. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, we'll uh, sign off there. Hopefully we're um, coming back with an incredible upset performance against Melbourne Storm. Hi, fingers crossed. Go the Eels. Go the Eels. Les, have a good one. We raise our voice to